I'm Tom DeSorcy. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. This is Firefighting in Canada, the podcast. Situational awareness, two words that should come into play when responding to emergency incidents. But wait, there's there's more. <laughs> These two words could literally become a part of your life. It's a pleasure today to be joined by a man who embodies this phrase because it really does matter. Dr. Richard Gassaway is a retired firefighter with 33 years in the service since uh, 1979, serving as a firefighter, paramedic, lieutenant, captain, assistant chief, and fire chief in six fire and EMS agencies in West Virginia, Ohio, and Minnesota. Chief Gassaway earned a Doctor of Philosophy degree while researching how individuals and teams use situational awareness to improve high-risk decision-making. His research is rooted in understanding and sharing cognitive neuroscience and human error. Over 2,500 keynote presentations throughout the U.S., United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Belgium, Hong Kong, Australia, New Zealand, and right here in Canada. It's a pleasure, Rich. My friend, welcome to the podcast. Tom, thank, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a real honor that you reached out and and uh, thought enough of my topic to give me the chance to be with you. So I really, really appreciate that and uh, the chance to talk about, you know, a topic that's very close to my heart. So thanks. A little background. I mean, I, I, I mentioned in the in the bio about some of the history, but uh, how did you get in, involved? How did this all start for you in this crazy world we call the fire service? My entry to the fire service actually started uh, because we had a fire at my house and the fire department responded. I had no interest in being a firefighter. I was 17 at the time, senior in high school, you know, lots of other things on my plate and agenda in mind. And firefighter was not one of them. It wasn't what I wanted to be in life. I wanted to go to college. It it just wasn't in the cards for me. And then we had a fire and Fire department was a volunteer department in my hometown. They responded. They did such an amazing job, made our whole family just feel so amazing that I literally come away from that experience saying, that's what I want to do. I want to make other people feel as good as they made my family feel. And uh, I literally went the next day and inquired and ended up putting an application in and got voted on. And the, the rest, it, it's just serendipitous that if not for that that chimney fire that we had at my house when my parents weren't home <laughs> and my brother and I were having a party and we thought oh this is this is where our lives end when we burn our parents house down um if not for that event uh the fire service probably would have never been in the cards for me uh so that that's how that started have you ever thought what if you didn't have that fire? And I mean, we we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Oh, every everything in the trajectory of my entire life would have been different. When I joined the fire department, I met a young lady who would become my wife, who was on the fire department, and we've been together for forty five years. And you know, just everything. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I can't even. I can't even chart it in my mind where it would be, but everything would be different. I don't know what it would be, but it certainly would not be what it is today because everything that I am and everything that my family is, has always been wrapped around um, service in, in, in our community as firefighters. 
we use the term situational awareness. I mean, I I do all the time. It's 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 maybe it maybe it's just a maybe it's just an occupational hazard that it's become part of. I've always got to know what's going on around me, um, and it maybe causes anxiety and problems when I travel, when I do things. But at the end of the day, when did that become something you went, wow, this is this is important to me? For the longest longest time, I really didn't know anything about situational awareness. In fact, in you know the early part of our careers, you can vouch for this that that term was never used. We you know we as a fire service never heard that term. We might have heard other terms that similarly meant similar things, but we never heard the term situational awareness. And what inspired me was that I was kept seeing these. I was a student of firefighter fatality reports. I wanted to always be learning about how firefighters die. What can we learn from it? What can I do differently in my organization to try to help prevent tragedy from coming to my organization? And I saw so many instances where there were so many smart, talented, experienced responders seemingly not being able to see what was unfolding in front of their very eyes. It was like they were blind to what was happening right in front of them. And and I initially I thought, well, maybe it's because they're undertrained or they're inexperienced, but that wasn't the case. These were some really smart and talented people. And I thought, well, what's what's missing here? So along the way in my career, I had always had the ambition to climb to the pinnacle of my educational potential which is to say to earn a PhD. I already at this time had a bachelor's and a master's. Uh, but when you do a PhD, you have to do what's called original research. You have to discover something new. You have to add to a body of knowledge. So what set me down this path was the ambition of trying to figure out what was going on here with these firefighter fatalities. And the, or the you know or the ones who were in charge when the firefighters died, and how could they not see the bad things coming in time to prevent a bad outcome? And it was there. I actually Tom started down a pathway of thinking this is a leadership issue. And once I started looking into it, I quickly realized no, it's it's not leadership. It's neuroscience. It's what's happening in our brain when we're under stress and how brain function changes and how our brain processes or doesn't process information and what we see and what we hear and how we make sense of things. And, and you know, I really was not too warmed up to the thought of doing research in neuroscience because it was kind of, I don't know, geeky. And I really wasn't a science nerd per se. You know, I love leadership, you know. Uh, you know, I was already serving as a fire chief and had a master's in business. And, you know, the, the whole leadership thing really, you know, inspired me. But then, then I, you know, I turned down this pathway and I, and I almost reluctantly, I'm like, do I really want to? But the more I went into it and the more that I learned, the more I realized there laid the answers. There laid the understanding of how and why these things happen and what can be done about it. So a lot of people who complete PhDs, uh, I'll let you in on the little dark secret, they complete it, they take their dissertation, they have it bound, they put it on a shelf, they probably never look at it again, except maybe to dust it when it's on the bookshelf, 
And then they go on and do something else in life that the PhD might open doors for them, but they don't really breathe life into their doctoral research. They add to the body of knowledge, they move on. Well, it turned out that the body of knowledge that I added to became a program of talking about what's going on here. How are we vulnerable as humans to make errors in decision-making when our situational awareness gets flawed? And what can we do about it? And when I, when I first started presenting this, I, I had this, this sinking feeling that everybody already knew this stuff already. And I was the only, I was late to the party. I was like the only one who didn't know this. And I was worried that I was going to go out there and try to share something that everybody knew. And I'm now just coming into this knowledge like, like it's an original finding. And, and I was really worried. Everybody knows this. Well, when I started presenting it at a couple conferences, I realized that that wasn't the case. It, Everybody was as out of the loop as I was as to, you know, what all this neuro geekery stuff was and what we could learn from it and how we could benefit from it and use it to our advantage to be better decision makers. And that launched it all. And, you know, from that, I've written seven books on the topic and um, just had am amazing opportunities to to share the message with so many people. It, you know, if I had to look in the crystal ball, Tom, 25 years ago, and the crystal ball said, this is where you're going to be rich, and this is what you're going to be doing, I would have never believed it. I would have been in complete denial that, that those kind of opportunities, even like just to come up to British Columbia why would why would the British Columbia fire chiefs bring this guy from little nowhere Minnesota up to to present at their conference? You know, they got enough smart and talented people there. They don't need anything that I have to offer. But there I was and there I was offering the message and the feedback continually just is so phenomenal from people. And some of the best feedback are the people who've been in the fire service for 35 and 40 years. And then and they say to me, where's this been? How come I was never taught this? How come no one ever shared this with me? And I kind of have to chuckle, although I chuckle inside because I don't want to think I'm laughing at them. But I chuckle because I think we're, we're in the same boat. No one ever taught me this stuff either. I didn't know any of this either. You know, this is all new, is new for me. Well, at the time, you know, back when I first learned it, it was as new for me as it was for them. And, uh, yeah, the feedback's just been amazing. The journey, the ride has been amazing. I I am just so blessed to be it's, able to share that. It's it's amazing, you know, when you talk about the time uh, delivering a message or working that, using that technique and using situational awareness from a typical in a fire ground at a fire hall. Has the, well, times have changed. The fire service has changed. Has the message had to change with it or has it stayed the same? Well, because the because what I teach is neuroscience, fireground tactics will change, fire equipment will change, generational changes will occur with firefighters, but the science of how the brain functions doesn't change. The only thing that has changed is because of some advances in technology where we continue to learn new things about how the brain functions, which then 
kind of uh, um, cancels out or negates some of the old things we knew about how the brain functioned. You know, like if you had a neuroscience book from 25 years ago and you, and you compared it to one today, you, you, you'd think that they came from like two different planets because we know so much more now about brain function because of things like functional magnetic resonance imaging that we didn't know then. We learned, we learned initially we learned everything we knew about how the human brain functions from other mammals like rats and mice and from research that was done with wounded soldiers in World War I and World War II who had traumatic brain injuries and therefore they didn't have to like have permission to open their skulls. I mean, I don't want to be morbid, but you know, it was already open so they could learn some things about brain function from the things that were were occurring from wounded soldiers. But other than that, we didn't we didn't know much. So the science is changing, which causes my program to change because as new things come about, I have to let go of some old things and introduce some new things. But it's, it's not I'm not really teaching tactics or strategy or, you know, put the water on the fire over here or vent, vent this way. That's not the lane that I swim in. You know, it's all about how we as humans under stress make our best decisions using situational awareness. And, and uh, you know, thankfully, even though we're learning things in neuroscience, it's not a fast-changing science. We have to adapt because we take in more information at a fire scene nowadays than we did 20 years ago. I mean, when you show up and you used to see smoke and you used to realize what side of the building it was coming from, that was pretty much the end of your situational awareness in terms of, okay, this is what I got. But then you throw a drone into the air, then you start adding all these different elements and your brain has to process a lot more information. Your situational awareness just got a little bit harder to to manage, I would think. Well, even you, you think about some of the things that maybe we just come to take for granted now that can have impacts on situational awareness. Heads up displays and SCBAs, two-way radios, thermal imaging, mobile data computers, <laughs> you know, the all of all of that technology compounds our information processing. And the more information we process, the more we can get overloaded and overwhelmed and start to shed information. So we have to be very careful, you know, we're all uh, it's easy to um get attracted to the the new shiny object that someone is trying to convince us that we need to have. But we, you know, when it comes to situation awareness, we have to be aware that every new shining object that throws more information at us is at the risk of potentially degrading other information that could be equally or more important that we don't have capacity now to process. You present to more than just the fire service now as uh, you are reaching out into industry. Have you had to change the message or alter it in any way for for a different clientele? Uh, no, the well, yes and no. <laughs> the uh, I, you know, Tom, I never aspired to do anything for industry whatsoever. I mean, you know, the fire service was my lane. I was happy there. I could go on forever there. You know, there's enough there to keep me busy and. Then in 2014, I got a phone call from a company that said, we're having some problems with situation awareness, and we think that you might be able to uh, to help us out. 
And I said to them, no, you've got the wrong person. I'm not, that's, you know, I don't do work with industry. I'm, I, you know, I work with firefighters. And they said, no, we've been to your website. We're pretty sure we have the right person. And I'm like, well, how did you find me anyhow? You know, because I don't even, I don't have enough shingle hung up to do anything in industry. And they're like, well, we found you on a Google search. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't think I ranked that well on Google. But they, so I, I said, what do you do? And, and they, they work with, um, they take weapons grade uranium and they down blend it to make it a, a grade of uranium that can power nuclear submarines. And I thought, man, if I mess this up, there's going to be a hole in the earth where this company used to be. <laughs> and which inspired me more to say, no, I am definitely not your person, but they wouldn't give up. And so I said, well, let me come down and see what you do. And if I, you know, cause I don't want to, I don't want to sell you a training program if it isn't going to be right for you. Cause again, I train firefighters. So I went down, I toured their facility and at the end of the day's tour, the safety person and I went back to his office and we went in and sat, he sat down at a little conference table in his office. He said, well, okay, so what do you, what do you think? And if you remember that, that movie with Haley Joe Osment called the sixth sense, I leaned forward and I said, I see dead people. <laughs> and he said, what's that mean? I said, I see your problem. I see what you're worried about and I, uh, and you have every right to be worried and I think I can help you. But if I had not gone there to see it with my own eyes, there's no way I would have realized that my message segued into industry. Now, since then, you know, <laughs> a lot of water has gone over the dam and I've done a lot of work for a lot of industrial clients. So what's, what's different between industrial and the fire service is really just the work environment. So like if you work in a factory, you have you have different challenges of situation awareness. If you work outdoors, different challenges. If you're on highways, different challenges. If you work, um, say, in construction where you're working from an elevated, you know, like building high, high rise high skyscrapers, you have different challenges. Police officers have different challenges. Um, so the only thing that changes is the challenge of the work environment, which means the barriers, the flaw of situational awareness are likely to be different based on the type of work the client does. Now, what I don't know is which which barriers to situational awareness are going to be their greatest challenge until I go there and see it. So I do an assessment. I go in and I say, I need to see what you do. I need to see firsthand what your challenges are. And then I'll customize a message that will be spot on for your people. They're going to be like, this person is talking to me because it's going to be, we're going to use your terminology. We're going to reference your operations, your equipment, your job titles. And so the only thing that really changes is the environment. The neuroscience doesn't change. Every, you know, everyone holds the same potential to have their situational awareness slot. It's just mm, situational. <laughs> not sounding redundant there, to the environment they work in, the type of work they do, the amount of technology that they use. You know, some of them are very high-tech companies, you know, and some of them are very blue-collar, hands-on manual labor type work. So obviously it's going to be, you know, different challenges. So presenting to the fire service that you do today and going back to the fire service part of things, 
from what you've seen over the years, uh, you know, if, if I, I guess the fire service is changing and is it, are we changing in the right direction? Are we, are we in good shape moving forward? I think that, um, you know, if you, if you had to go back to your early days, my early days, that the fire service was, I don't want to throw a blanket over the entire profession and I certainly don't want to anger anyone. So I want to talk about my organization. There were a lot of people there for social reasons and not necessarily committed to serving the community to the to their highest potential. And that's about as politically correct as I can say it. I think today's firefighters, well, one, I think we've lost some of the social connection. So if there's a downside to it, we have lost some of that, you know, like in the early days, there were, you know, we did Christmas parties and summer get togethers. And I don't think that, at least in my final organization, it, that didn't happen, you know, all, all that so so much. And I don't know that it, I think that that's maybe dying off some. But in exchange for that, I think we have younger firefighters that are smarter and they ask hard questions, which can frustrate bosses. But they ask hard questions because they really want to understand. My son's a firefighter. He's 31. So he, you know, he's that younger generation. And I see his level of commitment to the craft of being the best that he can be. And he's always um, reading and he's always going to these little like mini conferences and one day seminars and stuff that I I didn't do all that much of, you know, because it just wasn't really all that available then. So I think we're in good hands for what the future of the fire service holds. If our if our generation, I'll say this, this is about us, Tom, if we can just get out of the way, <laughs> just get out of the way and let them do the good things that they can do. I think the fire service will be fine. What does what does Rich Gassaway of today tell Rich Gassaway of the 80s, if he had the chance? Um. Oh, I, th- I think one of the pieces of advice I would give myself is don't come in, don't come in and get your firefighter one card and then six months think you think you know everything that needs to be known, because that's where I was. I was young. I was cocky and I did not respect the wisdom of my senior members to the extent that I could have and should have. And for that, but that my learning curve was stunted because I did not shut my mouth and open my ears and listen more to what they had to say because I was always just kind of too quick to say, oh, you know what, you're, you know, you're just an old person. And, and you know, Tom, I'm 18. An old person was 35. <laughs> you know I, i'm not talking about the 60 and 70 year olds that that even my department had i was talking about 35 and up you're 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 outdated you're you're irrelevant you know the, the fire department belongs to us young people and and what a mistake you know it's just it, it's not it's not it's not the way to become smart it's it's the way to grow your ego you know, but it's not the way to become the best that you can be. I pre- I appreciate your insight and uh, and taking the time and uh, maybe introducing you to uh, more people in Canada that uh, haven't had the chance. And uh, we'll see you next time you're here when you continue to log in your uh, your frequent flyer mileage. 
Yeah. Well, thank you, Tom. I really appreciate the chance to chat with you a bit. Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast. For more episodes, visit firefightingincanada.com.